Hello, and welcome to the Minnesota Family Law Podcast, the podcast by, with, for, and about family law professionals. My name is Tom Tuft, and I'm a family law attorney and ADR provider at the law firm of Tuft, Locke, Jerebic, and O'Connell. These are trying times for us as family law professionals. Many of us wear many hats. Not only are we service providers, but many of us are also business owners. And that is not counting the many personal roles we play as parent, child, spouse, etc. In our professional roles, rules and expectations keep changing. Therapists must work with HIPAA-compliant video conferencing software to continue working with their clients. ADR providers have had to learn the ins and outs of Zoom software, including the efficient use of breakout rooms. Attorneys have had to find ways to manage cases with clients and staff dispersed and the courts all but closed. The purpose of this podcast is to offer information about each of these roles and hear what our colleagues are doing and the, how they are facing the challenges that go, that go with these role, roles. Today's podcast is intended to focus on our role as business owners and our responsibilities, legal and otherwise, to the people who work for us. My guest today is an employment law attorney at the law firm of Arthur Chapman, Kettering, Smedic, and Pakala where she is a shareholder and chair of the Employment Law Department. I have consulted with her on business issues in addition to having her involved in cases on occasion. Most recently, she, I referred her to represent the father of a client in opposing an overbroad subpoena. She was successful, not surprisingly. I am pleased to have a chance to talk to Sarah Bushnell. Sarah, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, many of the listeners are small business owners. In fact, I, I would say virtually all of them are. And I, I've heard through the grapevine that there is a lot of change in uh, the world of being an employer. So I'm wondering if you can highlight those changes for us. Yeah, good morning, Tom. Thanks for the invitation to join you. Uh, I think that in, in the employment world, employers are dealing with uh, the same thing that that we're all dealing with in society, and that is the need to make a lot of important decisions fast and with a flood of information that is changing or is new um, and is developing all the time. And I would say uh, that there's just a range of things, including issues about um, employee safety. So, for example... Um, there, there are changes in the way that the EEOC is interpreting the EDA so that employers now can take the temperature of employees before they start work and ask them some questions about symptoms they may be experiencing and, um, and changes to how employment works and changes to uh, um, the, the way that employers um, give leave and particularly small employers because um, a few weeks ago Congress enacted the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, which mandates paid leaves um, for employees impacted by a number of coronavirus um, issues, and um, and that's pretty new for us in the employment law world because most of the leaves that are mandated, if they are mandated at all, are um, are unpaid leaves. And it is, um, it is new because it impacts small employers that usually aren't impacted even by 
mandatory unpaid leave. And so, um, so employers are dealing with questions about um, if, if I, the employer, uh, have work and I need my employees to be working, but they can't work because um, they're sick or they have a child who is out of school or daycare, um, what do I do then? Do I have to give leave? Do I have to pay for the leave? And we have, um, we have questions around what if I, the employer, do not have enough work for the employee, but, but I think that's going to change on the other side of the, uh, the immediate crisis, and I'm going to want to bring the employee back. So, um, so lots of individual situations within that, and, um, and those are, those are the things that employers are dealing with in this new era. So if I, if I have an employee who is sick, corona, corona or not, apparently this, just a sick employee, and I offer them paid leave, it's, it's, that's mandatory, right? I have to offer that now? Well, if, it's, um, if, if you were an empl- a small employer and... Um, and the employee has coronavirus symptoms and is seeking a diagnosis for that or has been told to self-quarantine by a healthcare provider or is under a quarantine or isolation order, then there will be a mandatory um, two-week sick leave at full pay. But with the government paying for that ultimately in the form of uh, a tax credit. So the government pays for 100% of it, but you, the employer, pay initially. If the employee is sick with something that's not coronavirus related, you're just in the you're just in the ordinary question of whether the employee is covered by uh, paid time off or maybe by one of the Minneapolis or St. Paul sick and safe leave uh, paid leave. So if the leave, I think I heard you say, is related to, you know, all my employees' schools, are, children are out of school. Um, if it's related to that, is that also a covered leave under this? Yep. So, so if an employee uh, can't work because their child is out of school or out of daycare, um, they can take up to 12 weeks of paid leave at two-thirds of the normal rate of pay. Um, so that's a little bit different than that sick okay. where you're paying the full rate of pay. Um, but um, but so the way that that works is that's really an extension of the Family Medical Leave Act. But this is one of the changes because even employers who are too small to be required to order, uh, to, to be required to give ordinary family leave are still required to give this uh, paid leave for child care for kids who are out of school or daycare because of a COVID-19 closure. And um, the first two weeks of the up to 12 weeks is not paid, but um, the employee can use the two weeks of sick leave pay because there are two different leaves in the family's first <laughs> wow. coronavirus okay. response act, right? Yep. So an, okay. employee, an employee might use that if they uh, if they were sick or quarantined themselves, or they might use it as the first two weeks to get paid for the child care leave, and then and then ten weeks of child care leave. So if an employee elected to use 
um, the sick leave and the family extended leave for um, for child care purposes, then they would get just a full 12 weeks paid, but only at two thirds of their normal rate of pay. And for that for that 12 week leave, an employee has to have been with you for 30 days. Okay. So there's a little bit of a limitation there. Okay. Um, another thing I've been hearing out there um, is the the concept of furloughs. Um, uh, you know, I'm used to hearing layoffs and terminations, and uh, we seem to be hearing the concept of furloughs a bit more than usual. Um, wh- what does that mean? Or does it legally mean anything different than what we usually think about? So, so a furlough is um, is a temporary leave where you're basically laying off an employee for a temporary period of time. So, you know, for example, my son works at uh, an AMC theater, and of course, the theater was closed early on in the emergency by the governor's order. So um, none of the employees are working, but the theater expects that it's going to start um, uh, start up again at some point when things settle down and they want to bring their employees back. And so what they've told the employees is um, we're, you know, we're putting you on a leave or a furlough and then you can come back to work when we're able to employ you again. And during that furlough, um, employees who are otherwise eligible can get unemployment and some things have changed in unemployment that are helpful for employees. Like um, there is a $600 increase in the benefit amount that employees are able to get for a period of time. There's an extension of how long, how many weeks they can uh, get unemployment and they, um, they don't have to check all of the same boxes or the boxes are a little different that they have to check for, uh, for things like um, seeking employment. So, so in the case of, um, you know, somebody who in ordinary times just lost a job, let's say at a theater, um, they would go and apply for unemployment, but then they would have to tell unemployment every week that I am seeking other employment. And during this time, there are a couple of limitations on that. One limitation is that um, that they only have to seek employment where it would be safe to do that. And the other one is, um, and this is the big one for the question you asked, Tom, about furlough, is that if the employee is just on a temporary leave or a furlough due to COVID-19, they can satisfy that obligation to be actively seeking employment by just staying in touch with the employer to get back to work when when work is available again. And so that that can be a nice option if um, if you if you don't have enough work for your employees and but but you have somebody that you like and you want to bring back when work picks up again on the other side. And and a really important piece for employers to know is that if your employee has to seek unemployment because uh, because of COVID-19, it's not going to hit your tax experience, experience with unemployment. Your rates aren't going to go up as they ordinarily would if you have a former employee who left unemployment. Well, that's really actually good to know. Um, now, our firm went a different route in that we applied for the PPP 
loan uh, to cover payroll. Um, my understanding is we can't lay off anyone. Again, not that we would even <laughs> want to consider that, um, but we cannot lay off anyone or we would lose the forgive forgivability of that, uh, of that loan. So we're obviously no regulations have come out and there's not a lot of explanation, but uh, that's a different route. It sounds like that, that we're choosing to take. Um, and that highlights, that highlights one of the things that is just so challenging about this time is there are so many of these new laws and there are so many layers of different um, uh, choices, but also limitations on um, the choices that can be made. And so, um, I, but I would say I, from, from my standpoint, I think that uh, the the Department of Labor in particular has done a good job of really trying to answer a lot of the common questions about some of these um, about some of these acts. And so I would say if you have a question, it's probably a question that other people have and your first your first recourse should be to go to the website of the agency that's administering the law that you question about and see if there is a question and answer on it. So on the Families First uh, leave, there is just a really um, extensive Q&A on the Department of Labor's website and it's searchable. So, um, so I think it's pretty easy to use and I would say that it has probably answered most of the questions that we have heard from employers and that we've come up with ourselves. Um, and, and they've been supplementing it as, you know, as more questions have come up. And, um, you know, the same thing with the SBA on some of the loans that are available mm -hmm. and so forth. So, so I, I found those websites helpful, and um, so so I encourage I encourage employers to take a look at those when they have questions. Well, th thank you so much for your time, Sarah. I mean, this has been really enlightening. The interplay of these laws is is challenging uh, for uh, for lawyers, um, and uh, hopefully. Uh, We'll be able to, to work our way through this with assistance of lawyers like you who who, who do know this stuff. Um, I'm I, I hope uh, we can talk again in the in the future as things develop and regulations and and per, perhaps other laws uh, come into play. But again, I want to thank you for being making yourself available today. Great to talk with you, Tom. Thank you so much. I really appreciate. Sarah coming on and giving us what I'm sure is just the tip of the iceberg in employment law. The next few episodes will include a wide range of family law professionals. We will hear from Jordan Hart about delivering therapy services for teens. Former family law attorney and current first judicial district judge Michelle Wahi will share what is going on in the fighting first and more specifically Dakota County. Allie Connell, an attorney at Tough Lock Jerebic and O'Connell, will give her perspective on life as a young attorney in the pandemic. Sarah Swanson, a family law attorney in Grand Rapids and Itasca County, will report in. Lisa Spencer, managing partner at Henson Efron, will discuss managing a larger firm in the pandemic, where I think we will find that the challenges she is facing are not much different than the rest of us are facing. On Wednesday, Tom Harges will tell us about how he continues to deliver services. If you want to hear more of these podcasts, and you have an Alexa device and a Spotify subscription, you can just say, Alexa, play the latest Minnesota Family Law podcast on Spotify.
Playing the Minnesota Family Law Podcast from Spotify. Playing the latest episode, Practicing in a Pandemic, Joanna Clyborne offers her perspective on the unique challenges for military personnel and their families. To my family law colleagues, I say thank you for listening and I look forward to continuing these discussions. Now take care of yourselves and your families so you can take care of your clients and your business.